So today we're continuing a conversation that we started last week called TBH. In it, we're offering uh, honest biblical responses to what millennials and members of Gen Z have told us are their biggest concerns. And today we're gonna tackle the tension, the battle, the, the great divide that seems to exist between science and reason and facts and data and the realm of religion and spirituality and basically being a person of faith. Yeah, I know, I've got my work cut out for me. It's okay, uh, I like work. But it's a common idea these days, isn't it? The belief in this battle? And it's spurred on in no small part by at least two things. Uh, the idea of this battle between science and faith is, is due to the increase of secularism and the influence of pop scientists. Let me explain. Uh, the world continues to trend toward secularism. That is the, the removal of anything religious, sacred, or spiritual from public life. It's deemed inappropriate these days to admit any kind of spiritual influence upon how you act, especially if your action will in any way affect another. That's secularism. Uh, likewise, most of the popular public figures in science, like, like Neil deGrasse Tyson or Richard Dawkins or Bill Nye, the science guy, are not just outspoken scientists, but are also ardent atheists who often equate their love of science with a rejection of God. Which, side question for my fellow 80s babies, does anyone remember Mr. Wizard? He was Bill Nye the Science Guy before Bill Nye the Science Guy. In the comments below, let me know if you ever watched Mr. Wizard's World on Nickelodeon. Now that man was a scientist. I digress. Uh, as a result of these two things, we live in a world where many feel caught. I either have to be a person of science, data, and facts, or a person of belief and faith. Have you ever felt that way? Now, what I can't do today is be an apologist and take on every major objection to the existence of God. However, if you are wrestling with the notion of God's existence, or you know someone who is, and want some resources, I, I have those. Just text the word resources to the number you see on the screen, and I'll send you a list of some of my favorite books. Uh, no, my goal today is, is really this. My goal is to share what Christianity actually believes about the relationship between science and faith. And the first thing to take note of is this, that from the Christian perspective, there, there really is no battle. The, the Bible expresses no anti-science rhetoric. It in no way discourages discovery and it is not afraid of rational free thinking, not at all. In fact, within the first few chapters of the Bible, you have what is often called the creation or the cultural mandate. In the first few chapters of the Bible, God has just made all things and then he hands them over to mankind. And listen to what he says in Genesis chapter one. He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. What we teach is that God handed the universe to us and with it, he gave a mandate to discover it and to develop it. Now, how can that be done apart from the scientific method? You could argue that God mandates the scientific method. Likewise, the scriptures go out of their way to say, don't despise reason and wisdom and rational thinking. Yes, the Bible cautions us of its limits, but more so, more so we're told to seek out the ways in which God has wired this world to work. Uh, Proverbs 3, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. You see, in Christianity, science and faith 
discovery and the divine, they, they go together. You could even say they serve each other. One should drive you toward the other. Learning about the universe should drive you to want to know more about the one who made this universe. And knowing the maker of this universe should propel you to want to enjoy and discover the gift that is this universe. And for centuries, that's how it worked. It was the church, monks actually, who developed the world of academia. And it was Christian leaders who founded the institutions where some of our greatest insights have been made. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Oxford, were all founded by Christians driven to discover more. Did you know that? The motto of Columbia University, inscribed everywhere on their campus, is this, in lumine tuo vitabimus lumen, which, in case you haven't brushed up on your Latin lately, means, in thy light we shall see light. Discovery, science, thinking, they go hand in hand with faith, belief, and following God. Perhaps that's what Albert Einstein was getting at when he famously said, science without religion is lame, and religion without science is blind. Now that said, the Christian faith believes that the entire realm of science and discovery has a very specific task. We believe that it has a, a particular calling from God, you could say. Uh, science exists to tell us what is and how it is. It exists to help us grasp and understand what we see and how it works. And that's it. And for Christians, this learning of, of, of what and how is an important way of, of learning about our God. Because when you learn about the creation, you're actually learning something about the Creator. Which means we should not be afraid of science. It's a way of discovering something about our King. For Christians, Psalm 19 is just one place that lays this out. Psalm 19, starting at verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. If you claim to be a passionate person of faith, yet you insist on rejecting science, discovery, and all human insight outside of the scriptures, I would argue that, in fact, you don't take your faith seriously. Because examining this world is how we grow. It's how we grow in the biblical mandate to cultivate this world. And it's essential in appreciating the one who gave us this world. However, such things have their limits. Uh, certain things are definitely outside the scope of science. For example, we believe that you can't get morality through science or, or values through science. You can't get meaning and purpose for life through the sciences, uh, through, through discovery, or through human reason alone, because that's not its job. In fact, when you try to, you end up getting into trouble. You could argue that scientific knowledge alone, divorced from moral knowledge, personal knowledge, spiritual knowledge, makes us dangerous. Just think, for example, of eugenics. Eugenics is a movement aimed at enhancing the human race through essentially selective breeding. It's derived from a, from a cold, straightforward understanding of genetic science, uh, but has led to the abuse of the handicapped, uh, to the unprecedented rise of abortion, especially in minority communities, and the killing of whoever those in power deem genetically insufficient. E even Nietzsche, the famous atheist philosopher, 
once said that, that if you claim not to believe in God, but you do believe in things like social justice, love for all, the inherent value of human life, then you still, in fact, hold to religious beliefs. Beliefs he and other philosophers like Derrida and Habermas say have a theological history, meaning they come to us from religion and they simply can't be found or justified at all through the sciences. You see, that's where faith comes in. If science plays the important role of telling us what and how things are, then, then faith exists to tell us why things are and what we should do with them in order to flourish. In the Christian faith, we, we talk about the law of God. The law is, is a reference to what God has spoken and shared and promised. Uh, look again at Psalm 19, picking up at verse 7. It says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. There are certain truths that can't be discovered or observed naturally, but have to be revealed by God and then simply believed by man. And these truths are just as essential to our flourishing, just as critical to our lives as anything else. What we believe is that it's in God's law, his word, that we learn in detail who he is and, and what he's done for us and, and what he wants of us. It's in this revelation that we ultimately discover meaning and, and God's mission and the foundations of our morality. For example, let's relate this to our current situation with COVID-19 and the quarantine. Science exists to tell us that a virus exists and how it spread and the damage it can do to us. And the other, the realm of faith, tells us clearly that there is a moral obligation to love our neighbor and not to spread it. And that there is a God above us who loves us, who is a non-anxious parent of us all, who is in control. And as Christians, we hold both of those things together. Now, what Christianity also teaches us is that the most important of truths comes to us in the world of faith and not in the world of science. It can't be found in dissecting the genome or measuring the age of the universe or analyzing the mysteries of the human brain. It has to be revealed by God. And this most important truth revealed by God is what we call the gospel the good news of Jesus. Look, you don't, you don't have to be a Christian to know just by observing the world that, that death exists and that it's terrifying uh, or, or that evil is a thing both around me and within me. You don't have to be a really religious person to surmise that there's probably a maker and that if there is a maker, then he's powerful and he probably has expectations of me, this thing that he's made. That's what the last part of Psalm 19 actually gets to. Uh, the writer takes into account all that he's observed in the natural world and all that was to be believed by faith. And taking those things together, he's deeply convicted. Listen to what he writes. He says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In other words, the psalmist is saying, Look, based on all the evidence, there is a God 
and I'm not it. Everything I see is founded by you. You're the the rock. And if I'm going to be anything other than just a meaningless speck in this glorious universe, it's going to be because you reach down and help me. You're going to have to redeem or rescue me. And you see, this, this verse is actually the wrestling of the human heart. It is the stirring of the soul that the gospel was given in response to. It answers that cry. And it tells us something that we could never come up with on our own. Something that, quite frankly, goes against all that we observe in the world and every natural impulse of the human heart. What it says to us is that God not only exists, but that unlike our world, which, as we can see, devours the weak, he gives grace to the weak. And unlike humans who cancel sinners and crush and condemn sinners, he forgives sinners. And unlike everything we observe in this natural world, which runs its course and then is dead and gone, he gives life to the dying that does not end. And in contrast to the never-ending chaos of this world, he promises a peace to come that will know no bounds. And unlike everything else in this world that demands a payment from the recipient, he asks for nothing but pays for everything himself. This mercy, this forgiveness, this life, this peace, it can't be earned. It is simply believed and received through Jesus Christ. And that otherworldly message, that gift grasped by faith, is meant to so transform you, give such hope to you, that it draws other people in this world to God through you, who know that there's got to be more than what meets the eye. These two things, science and faith, are not actually at odds. You don't have to just be a person of science, facts, and data, and truth, or a person of Christian faith and religious belief and your version of truth. You can hold them together. In fact, they work together. Yes, there are those who think that Christianity and religion in general are the enemy of progress. And there are those within Christianity who think that anyone with a lab coat or initials behind their name who works in academia is evil. But let me tell you that those people are not as numerous as we are led to believe. The real enemy in all of this isn't science or religion, but close-mindedness in general. The unwillingness to lift your head out of whatever bubble you like to live in and take in other info, consider other viewpoints, deal with foreign data. That's the real problem we should all be weary of. Because closed-mindedness will rob you of joy and is ultimately fueled by fear. Look, if, if you're an ardent secularist and you insist on rejecting everything remotely spiritual because you think it is unevolved and ignorant, then there are certain joys you will never know. Among them, the joy of pondering a world where there is meaning in every moment, an end to all pain, and something bigger than what we see. And if on the other side, you insist on demonizing discovery, writing off innovation, or if you have a general disregard for data facts and hashtag science because you don't have a Bible verse for something, or because you assume that to trust such things makes you less faith-filled or more liberal, You will never know the joy of learning more and more and more about this creation and the joy of wrestling with what it means to cultivate it and to do the hard but satisfying work of discerning what it means to glorify God and bless our neighbors with every new thing we find. 
And both of you are motivated by fear. You see, the source of anger is often fear. One is afraid that what she discovers will undermine her faith. And the other is afraid that if he allows for religion, he might just find out that he has to have faith. One is afraid of losing their Lord, and the other is afraid of finding and having to follow one. But either way you slice it, fear is at the center of it, and fear is no way to live. So don't. The best way to live, whether you're a person of faith or not, is to be fueled by love. Motivated by a love for the world you see and the questions it begs. Like, where did all this come from? Or motivated by a love for the God who made you and the mandate he's handed you to cultivate and appreciate the universe he's given to you. And what I think you'll find, no matter which camp you start in, is that when you are motivated by love, your passion for science or for Christian spirituality, it doesn't pull you away from the other person, but will actually draw you together. What you'll find is that you end up in the same place, asking very similar questions, and in your own way, appreciating the same God. I'll end with this. Earlier this week was William Shakespeare's 456th birthday. He's getting up there. One of Shakespeare's most famous and controversial plays is Hamlet. And there's this moment where Ophelia, a love interest of Hamlet, dies. She's sitting in a tree and and a branch breaks and she falls into the water. And the question to be asked of those who are enjoying the play is this, how and why did Ophelia die? Did she die because the branch broke and why did it break? Or did she die because Shakespeare wrote her out of the story and why did Shakespeare write her out of the story? And the answer, of course, to both of those big questions is yes. Now, now here's where I'm going with this. Science and faith are not at odds. They are asking similar and important questions about the same story. One is looking at the details of the branch, and the other is asking questions about the author. But both questions help you dig into and enjoy and understand what's happening on the stage. And anyone who seriously wants to fully grasp and enjoy the story will welcome both conversations. Amen. More next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have have barely scratched the surface of this giant conversation. And yet I, I hope that by the power of your Spirit, Uh, you you will help us. No matter what side of this conversation we we lean toward, you will help us to understand that that we we can believe both what we see with our eyes and learn with our minds and what has been revealed to us from above. That these two things are not are not fighting against each other, but are both been given to us by you and they serve each other. Help us to love you with our whole heart and our whole mind. Lord. For those who who find it difficult to believe in you, Father, I pray that you would give to them the gift of faith. To see the world around them not as evidence that you don't exist, but to see it all as evidence that screams of your glory and your beauty and of your love for them. Most of all, your love for them and all of us in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.